Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to another episode of Goblin Lore. You'll no doubt have noticed that this is the second episode of the podcast that's showing up in your feed this week. That's not an accident. We just had a lot of stuff to say, I guess. These are a pair of episodes, one that we've been working on for a little while, and one that was a bit of an emergency episode that came up. Episode 31, you'll notice, is the emergency episode. You will probably have already listened to it before you're listening to this. But this episode is something that Alex has been working on for quite some time and wanted to put out a solo episode where we explore how Orem, one of the members of the Weatherlight, relates to philosophy, specifically philosophical axioms. It's a really cool concept. That said, before we get into the episode, I did just want to take a little bit of time to thank our Patreon subscribers. Chris Combs, thank you so much. Taya Steer, thank you. Joshua Wirth, thank you so much. Carl Halperin, thank you. Paul Haas, Nerdy Slav, thank you. Scott Massey, thank you. Travis Miller, thank you. Zach Leubner, thank you. And Zachy Singelin, thank you. Now, Let's get to the show. Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Uh, This episode is going to be another Goblin game, so we're going to try for shorter, quicker, and and more to the point. Uh, Hopefully not so pointy that it pokes out any sensitive bits, though, as we're trying not to be those kinds of goblins tonight. And, you know, I'm saying we, but what I actually mean is me. Um, Tonight, I'm I'm flying solo, so who am I? Um, I'm Alex Newman. You can find me on Twitter at Alexander Newem. And I guess with no co-host to introduce, I get to just roll right into my topic. So today, my topic's going to be a little meandering, which fits if you know me or have listened to me in any of our past episodes. Um, but I think this all ties together, and this is some stuff that I, I, I've i really been burning to kind of talk about, so I'm, I'm happy to be here to, to do it this tonight. Um, I want to talk about Orem, uh, the Smite Healer, who was a part of the original Weatherlight crew, and a tool that I, I learned from uh, philosophical axioms. Um, Orem was a core part of the Weatherlight crew. Uh, she was the healer for the ship, and this was the, the original Weatherlight crew, which, which was the one of the first storylines of, of magic. Um, really their first big one. There was some story contents and elements in the first sets, but, but really... Um, this was the main storyline that ran for multiple years and bridged blocks and all these sets and different worlds. Um, and, and, and on this on this ship was Orem, and she was their healer. Um, their, some of her major story beats, um, some of the, the, the big things were um, on the planet Mercadia, she actually saved the crew. Um, I know Joe has talked about Mercadia a little bit in the past, and it's, it's a plane I think we'll probably revisit at some point, because Excuse me. There's a lot of good story there, but magic has this tendency. It's especially early magic. There's a lot of weird sets where the story is really good, but the mechanics, mechanically, the cards weren't great, or the reverse. Like there were some great cards and the mechanics were fun, but there just was no story. I think they've done a much better job with that later, 
in the in these last I don't know decade or so it, it has been improving they've definitely got the teams to work work closer but that was a thing early on so um, anyway that was one of her major story beats was on Marcadiac because uh, the plane was under the control of the Phyrexians but they didn't know this it was it was kind of a under the radar sort of thing and the the crew ran into some Phyrexian inter in their their mission um, and this was before the invasion uh, another major thing that uh, Orm re- did was during the invasion uh, she found a cure for the Phyrexian plague um, that was a weapon that they used heavily during the invasion story that was a huge deal um, but what I really want to talk about tonight with her is a much smaller picture thing that she was doing for the crew um, which I think is very significant um, in addition to being a the physical healer for the crew, healing wounds and and, and the like, um, I think she filled a role of support and a, as a counselor as well. Um, as far as I've seen, it's not called out a lot in kind of the wikis and the story guides and things that I've read. But um, when I was reading through Wrath of Storm, a book that in fairness I haven't finished, but early in, in this book, I, I definitely see Orem serving this role in the crew. Um, especially with with Tengarth, right after Gerard rejoined the crew, um, Tengarth, the, the the Minotaur, he really resents Gerard because um, Gerard abandoned the crew many years before. Um, a friend of a childhood friend of Gerard's, uh, the elf Rofalos, was a was a member of the crew, but he died. Um, and that led to Gerard leaving, which led to Miri leaving, and then the crew went off and did their own things, and then Sisse, their their captain, was was kidnapped by the, the Frexians. And so they're trying to get Gerard together and Miri, and like they're trying to pull together some resources so they can go and try to rescue her. And so Tengarth does go and retrieve Gerard, but he's very abrasive to him, and it's it's just having a splashover effect and, and affecting other members of the crew, especially Hannah. So Orm uh, speaks to him a couple times and tries to um, really br- helps to bring him to a place where Tangarth is able to reassess his opinion of Gerard, and then um, at one point the Weatherlight, while they're in Lonoir Forest looking for Miri, the Weatherlight was attacked by an Aboleth, this big elemental thing. And uh, Gerard was able to save the ship with uh, some innovative uses of the legacy and things, and that gave Tangarth this... Pl- uh, he was able to f- accept Gerard as a part of the crew because he finally was able to kind of see this about him. Um, and I think the the manner in which Orm approached Tangarth reminds me a lot of, of a tool that I actually learned while I was studying philosophy, uh, particularly Aristotle, but many philosophers as well. Um, Before I get into that specifically, I do want to take a quick step back and give a short explanation um, of what philosophy is. Uh, There's probably some some listeners who probably know, and I apologize for that, but like seriously, the first question, literally the first question I get asked nearly every time I tell someone I was working on a major in philosophy was, what is philosophy? It's a broad concept, and people tend not to understand kind of what the study of that is. Um, and, and just for clarity's sake, just to for everybody to, to know, I, I didn't finish my degree, um, and my study was very focused. The, the time that I did spend was very focused on Western philosophers. So I can only speak from, from that background. But in um, very broad terms, at least in my words, my understanding of it, philosophy is an examination 
of how and why things are. That's so high level, but um, for some for some context, in ancient Greece, like the first scientists and mathematicians were actually in the ranks of the philosophers. Uh, Pythagoras and many others were, con- you know, considered in that same field, and and well those fields diverged, those disciplines diverged, even then I think there was some divergence. They, many of the methods were, were very similar. These were all people who were looking to understand what the world around us was, the world around them. They were trying to understand the world and the people and how things worked. Um, so now I think as these disciplines have diverged a little more, philosophy is more generally about making and studying systems that seek to understand, organize, and examine people and things, um, which is still kind of a vague description. So here's a couple examples of, of specific fields of philosophy, so that hopefully you can extrapolate from that. Like, um, moral philosophy is trying to construct or deconstruct what is moral. You have, you know, what is the right thing to do? Can we logically determine? In many cases, most moral philosophy is, is not necessarily religious, though you can have religious philosophers, there's philosophy of religion, and there's all of this, there's some crossover things, but there's a lot of systems that are not tied to religion trying to define what is the right thing to do. Um, political philosophy also looks at governments or systems. Um, how do you build a system to accommodate for or curtail or alter, quote-unquote, human nature? Or how do you organize people and get them to work together? Or how do you organize people towards whatever goal you're looking? Um, so hopefully that gives you some idea. Um, so what is a philosophical axiom? I mentioned that at the top of the episode, that... Um, in philosophy, there's a concept, you know, the axiom. Um, in this field, an axiom is a statement. It, it's not just true, but an axiom has to be true. Um, it's something that can't be reduced to another level, and you can't disprove it because the, the axioms are statements that cannot be denied without using themselves in the denial. Um, an example that I think is really widely known uh, Rene Descartes is quoted as saying, I think, therefore I am. That's a, that's a quote I think a lot of people are familiar with. Um, but what that is, is that is an axiom that he argued um, is based on the fact that you, you cannot deny your own existence, You're, you cannot deny the existence of your mind while you are using your mind to do that very denying. Um, and there's... Rene Descartes is fascinating. There's a whole thing there. Um, he actually is, to the best of my knowledge, the only philosopher ever in flavor text and magic uh, the DCI promo Mindstone has a Rene Descartes quote. Not that one, oddly enough, because, like I said, this quote is actually known by many non-philosophers, but the one on the Mindstone is something different. That's a huge aside, which I'm not going to allow myself to go down. So anyway, um, one thing that I found um, looking at axioms and then this tool that I developed was, you know, when, when I was studying philosophy, it was very common. Um, for two people to be speaking to one another, but not with one another. If that makes sense. They they were they were talking at each other, but they weren't actually having the same conversation. Um, it happens a lot because I mean this is a field that's about arguments. Like literally define argument as a th- as a thing you're going to define when you you start to work out philosophy and you're trying to build a system or explain something. They literally will define stuff as an argument. And you know the early philosophers and 
throughout different periods often had debates with each other um, and and so that is not uncommon to have people arguing or debating or or trying to work through a concept together but um, like I said I, I found very often you would have people not actually having the same conversation and that's why this concept of axioms really hit me um, from that tool I, I kind of got the idea that or, or learned and that having a firm agreed upon baseline allowed for a more fruitful and less contentious conversation or debate in fact often I in my head at least I kind of think of it as like it's no longer a debate now we're having a conversation because when you can have a place where you are agreeing to start from then you can actually build somewhere um, but this tool is is better, you know, is used not just for arguing high, you know, ph philosophical concepts, but like it's good for when you get into an argument with people. I've used this tool for conflict resolution. Um, when I'm trying to talk, you know, I'm talking to somebody about something and it turns into an argument and we're starting to get heated, I try to pull back and and establish a baseline and I'll ask that person questions. I'll say, okay, let's start asking questions about what you're saying, and I. I will then restate what I'm hearing in my words, and you correct me if I am wrong or if I'm missing things, but I want to be able to establish this baseline of where you are starting from, and if we can both agree that that's, that you agree with me that that's where you're starting from, I now know where you are, and you know I know that, because I've restated this in my own words. I can then turn around and do the same thing with my own argument, give it to them by pieces and have them restate it so that we now both know where we are coming from and we can build from that as opposed to just still words back and forth without any end. Um, but the tool can be used in a lot of other places too. Um, I use it at work a lot. Like I'm, I'm in my job in treasury, there's a lot of systems, there's a lot of concept, especially um, I've only been there for about two years now, and there's a lot of things with you got to be careful about with money and very exacting about how you proceed when you're dealing with checks and, and money. And so when I'm having a, trying to explain something to a coworker, or they're trying to explain something to me, and it sounds like we're not in the same conversation, then I'll stop and say, okay, let's go step by step. You go through what you're trying to say, or I'll go through what I'm trying to go through. And then we can clarify where those snarls are. We can kind of pull the, pull the thread uh, clear. So I, I feel like there's probably actionable advice in there, though I've mostly just uh, word vomited into a microphone. So hopefully this is an episode that uh, y'all enjoy and, and get some value out of. So please uh, let me know. That's our show. You can find the podcast at Goblin Lore Pod on Twitter or email any questions, comments, or concerns to goblinlorepodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, you can do so at patreon.com slash goblinlorepod. This episode of Goblin Lore was written and hosted by Alex Newman, who you can find on Twitter at AlexanderNewM. Engineering, editing, and production for this episode by Joe Redman, who you can find on Twitter at Fintorn. Our music is by Vintergotten, who you can find at Vintergotten.com. Logo by Stephen Raphael on Twitter at Stephen Raffle. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, 
are only dangerous in numbers.